Get your official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. Highly offensive and indecent material. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm gonna suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now. The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. There's a place for us. Somewhere a place for us. I started too high. Welcome to the Adam Sack <laughs> Show. We are coming at you, coming at you, coming at you live. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, August 8th, 2020 at dnrstudios.com, the only place to hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. Leave us your ratings and reviews. We just got a new review from my dear friend, Brustin on iTunes or wherever else you listen to this. Email me, me, at adamandadamsank.com. If you're listening live... Call in and talk. We're live. Talk to us. 844-825-5367. Especially call in if you have an idea for a new ass t-shirt. We'll talk more in a bit. Like the Facebook page, download the comedy albums, and most importantly, get your official ass merch, t-shirts, tank tops, etc. at adamsank.com. Whatever else you guys do, I'm going to keep saying this every week, answer the census and register to vote. Two most important things you can do for the country right now. Also, Podcast award nominations will be announced today, this hour. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to find out whether or not we were nominated. Oh, my God. We will let you know this breaking news as it happens. And if we weren't nominated, I think we're just going to end the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But actually, we can't end the show because today we have uh, our favorite guest of all time returning to the ass after a long wait. It is iconic actor and activist Wilson Cruz. I can't even. I can't even. I just hope that he wakes up and answers his phone. I am moist. (laughs) My basement is flooded. By the way, it's my great pleasure to welcome the piggiest of pig pens, my co-host and partner in crime, Ryan Frostig, along with our producer, the queen of fuckery, J.B. Bercy. Welcome to you both. Hello. What's happening, J.B.? What's going on over there? Where's the applause? Don't put, nobody puts applause in the corner. There's your applause. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I was starting to say that um, so many ass uh, merchandise items are selling mm-hmm. that the t-shirt company has reached out to me and they want to create a special design with their in-house designer. Ooh. And uh, we'll, I'll get all the money from the sales, but we have to promote the hell out of it and yeah. sell at least 25 of them. So I've decided to open it up to the listeners. If the listeners have a catchphrase or a design or something they'd like on an ass t-shirt, Email me at adam at adamsank.com, or you can call in if you're live, 844-825-5367, or um, post it on the Facebook page. You know how to get a hold of me. I, I'm kind of thinking of a shirt that says, if it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it, with a picture of a popsicle. Okay. Okay. But we'll see if someone yeah, comes up with we'll something better. There. Anyway, um, it's great to be back. Ryan and I were both in Fire Island this past weekend, but not oh together. No. I saw you for like a hot minute. A moment. At the canteen. Yes. Um, but I understand you were up to a lot of shenanigans, oh and I'm wondering goodness. if you'd like to share any of those with the listeners. Well, um, I have a very complicated relationship with Fire Island because, as you know, and maybe some of the listeners know, uh, I used to work on the island um, for only two months because I had to leave because I hated it so much. Because you were banished. I was not banished. I, I escaped. I felt like I was a prisoner um, in gay hell. Um, but over the years, I've been able Coming to go back. To the gay hell. From fire yes. Huh. Um, but I've been able to go back over the years and enjoy it as, as a guest, as a visitor. And, you know, I love the island. I love being so close to the beach. But the culture there is so toxic and honestly like uh boy wolf and i we were invited by a a good friend i wouldn't say a best friend but a good friend and it ended up being that we were in this house with these characters that were like cliche you know gay just like the worst of the the worst. worst of the worst um one of the guys in our house 
this 26-year-old, first time on the island, within the first hour that we were there, he was already doing uh, uh, Molly mm. and LSD. Oh my God. You should never mix those two. It was like, and, and, and I just, and the, the, there was uh, another point where we were all hanging outside and then like all of a sudden there was like 10 people. 20 people and you told me that i couldn't come by i know because we had created this before we got on the trip before we before we left for the trip we did all of these like comfort surveys like we had all these rules (laughs) what are you lesbians well we're trying to be like socially responsible because all those fire island fourth of july faggots they ruined ruined everything so like we, we i didn't want i did not want to be like uh, a cliche. I, I did not want to be filmed. I did not want to be right. at a party. You don't party. want to be blasted. And uh, it was just, it was fun. We had a lot of sex, but in a safe fish way, I guess. Like we tried to be like uh, everything was outside. Uh, um, that's actual audio from Ryan. Yeah, Jordan. pretty much. Um, but it was. Uh, Didn't you faint at one point? Oh my god, I did faint. Um, I basically, Paul. Boy, Wolf, Paul, whatever. He thinks I overdosed on uh, poppers. Very possible. Your blood pressure probably dropped to an unsafe level. It was a combination of like dehydration, you know, marijuana, sparkling rosé. What? What are you, a whoa, real whoa, housewife? Whoa, whoa. Yes, hold bitch. On, hold on. You know, even if you smoke, you always have to stay hydrated. I know, but real thing. Then you add in all this other stuff to I your body that's going to dehydrate you. I was Listen as, to JB. I was as amateur as the first timer. Like, I knew better. Right. But you get, you get so I've seen you up. in these environments. You become like a, a, Super a child, like a piggy child. But I wasn't even, like, yes. But You're like also, a gay bull in a china shop. Yeah. In these places. But you, you actually stayed at one of my uh, former Well, we employers. can't talk about that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a, let me just say I had a terrible time for a number of reasons, but I was able to get some satisfaction after the fact, so I'm not going to trash them. But um, let's just say <clears throat> Fire Island, and and I understand. Okay, I you get it. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, we stayed at a shitty place. I get it, but they're making it unple- unnecessarily unpleasant out there, and basically it's all about money. Yes, if you are sitting at a table buying drinks, no mask necessary. If you're not handing over your money, you must wear a mask at all times, even if you are outside by yourself, standing on a dock with nobody within a thousand yards of you. That's not science. That's just money grubbing. Yeah. So I uh, I, I don't want to get into it, the, but you had way more fun than I, just, I did, even with your um, fainting Can spell. I just say one more Please. thing really quickly? The highlight of the trip was I saw my first live drag show in months and it was Pixie Aventura oh, love at the her. pool deck. And it was so crazy because when we got there, it started to rain. It was the day before the storm. Yeah. And so we were like, is this going to be like a like in the rain, like pool drag show? Like what's going to happen? Are we going to hear rain on me? Lady Gaga, what's going to happen? It stopped raining, but like basically Pixie, she performed up against this wall. And then when she came out into the audience, she had this face shield that had LED lights oh inside the mask. She's brilliant. So you could see her face. It was so great. And I really, um, I'm really happy that she was the first performer because she's amazing. She's fabulous. She's great. Well, um, we have so much to do today. First of all, we have a sponsor again, Ooh. which we'll be doing at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we have Wilson. We have the podcast nominations and I have like 50 stories to talk about. We're not going to talk about them all. We just, we're let's already just out of time, in. but let's jump in. We need, <laughs> Show's already over. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we need to talk about Ellen. Oh my God. Now. Oh my God. We started doing stories about Ellen early in the shutdown, like in March. And it was like, Ellen is secretly mean. Ellen mm-hmm. did this. Ellen mm-hmm. did that. You guys had a bumper made. We had a yeah, bumper. We, well, we, we wrote a bumper that, you're a mean one. one. Ellen DeG. You're a nat. You're a privileged talk show host. Yes. You have splinters in your pussy and your heart is made of poo. Ellen DeG. Anyway, it is, this has snowballed yeah. to the point where... The Ellen Show is now under investigation by Warner Media and like some outside investigator. In two recent BuzzFeed articles, former and current Ellen, empl- Ellen Show employees described sexual harassment by three top producers, racism against a black staffer, and a generally abusive workplace at which, um, uh, sorry, I just lost my place. 
a generally abusive workplace at which, to cite one anecdote, a manager allegedly once flipped a table in rage. Prostitution whore? Prostitution whore? Two alleged sexual harassers, producers Jonathan Norman and Kevin Lehman, have denied misconduct. Uh, A third hasn't commented. Um, But as I said, Warner Media, the show's parent company, has launched an investigation. And DeGeneres, in a statement not to the public but to her staff, expressed regret that any behind-the-scenes mayhem, Mayhem Miller, (laughs) happened without her knowledge, saying, quote, My name is on the show, and everything we do, I take responsibility for that. So... <clears throat> there's this blew up big time all over social media and there's this cancel Ellen hashtag that has started and they're already like speculating who could take over for her James Corden's name keeps being mentioned although I don't know why he would give up a late night talk show yeah. for a daytime talk show that, that wouldn't be the right move I, I don't think no one wants that yeah. unless they pay him a ridiculous amount of money sure it's important I think to note that Ellen herself hasn't been accused of anything other than being mean Mm -hmm. and cold Mm -hmm. the racism the sexual harassment the general toxic workplace all of that behavior is being ascribed to executive producers right on the other hand she hired those executive producers right as she says her name is on the show um and so there's this debate going on i mean uh our friend jeff witty incredibly talented Mm -hmm. tony award-winning composer uh, he uh, or lyricist rather mm. he um, or book writer book writer, book writer. <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> I was like hmm. what is Jeff Witty? he was like what did Ellen do someone tell me exactly what Ellen herself did and he, he sort of has a point that's but- also my question right? I'm very confused why we cut Ellen and not the producers like I understand it's her name on the show but come on who really has all control over everything. So here's what one of Jeff's commenters said, and I th- think it was a really good response to what you just asked, JB. Oprah's show went on for 25 years. You never heard about any of this shit. Mm. Oprah set a tone. You're absolutely right. For people people who worked for her. You represent me. You represent a, a, a school of thought, a, a way of life, a, a, you know, a, a, a general... Uh, disposition that I represent and if you don't represent that you're off this show and I think that's the difference is that Ellen seems to have absolved responsibility and been like here you guys run this shit I'm just going to show up Um, one of the people complaining is her former DJ yeah I saw that whose name I'm not going to be able to remember off the top of my head it's a long name not Twitch no I know I know (laughs) the other one no I know and uh, I love Twitch while you're looking at that I mean you bring up uh, Oprah Ellen it was almost like my Oprah in that I remember when the Ellen show premiered. Like I've been, I stopped watching it years ago, but I've been watching this show since I was a kid. And she was such a, like her getting the show and her being an out lesbian that is um, the host of a a major daytime talk show was huge. So um, there's this like reckoning of, you know, getting, justice for the these people these victims the the staff of her um of her show but it's just kind of like it feels the 2020 is just so insane. i never thought this would happen right and she's thought, been like the queen of nice and be kind to one another be, be kind and what yeah it's like you know i've said from the beginning that ellen should just address the public like yeah. she has a platform every single day where millions of people watch her i don't know why i understand she released the statement to the staff but she's She's a great communicator. That's right. what she does for a living. If for no other reason than to save face, she should like devote an hour and be like, here's what's really gone on and here's how I feel about it and here's where I have failed and here's where I don't take responsibility. And here's, You know, I don't get why, and maybe now she can't talk because there's right. this investigation, but I think she's handled this wrong from the beginning. If you go back and listen in March to, to when this first broke, I was saying the same thing. Like, you have to get ahead of the story. And she just let it fester for months, and now it's come to this. Now, it's really a bad month for Ellen because her home was robbed, too. Oh, my goodness. On July... Have security? Uh, right? On July 4th, uh, burglars stole expensive jewelry and watches from the Santa Barbara home of DeGeneres and wife Portia de Rossi. Um, the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office has opened an inquiry and it's currently investigating if the burglary, burglary is connected to a rash of other burglaries in celebrity homes in Los Angeles. I mean, talk about just having a really, really bad month. 
Can I ask a question? Please. Did we cover when we? So you remember the Dakota Johnson thing when she was on the show and Ellen asked her, "Why wasn't I invited to your birthday?" That was sort of one one of the gripes against her. But I kind of think that's where this all began. You think Dakota Johnson is the mastermind behind all of this? Sort of, because I feel like it was one of the first stories of like, it was one of the first moments that a celebrity called Ellen out for being, um, you know, not sincere, not like real. Like, I feel like Dakota was like, that's not true, Ellen. Let's be real. It really started before that, though, when a former producer of hers went on social media and was like, this is an, it's a nightmare to work for her. Please share your nightmare stories. And then there was like hundreds of responses. But what's interesting about you bringing up Dakota is all these other celebrities have now rushed in to defend Ellen, Mm -hmm. Ashton Kutcher, Jay Leno, Diane Keaton, Kevin Hart, of course. Mm -hmm. And now there's a backlash against them because it's like, yeah, Ellen treated you well. That's great. You're a fucking rich Celebrity, yeah, that's not that doesn't say anything about how 1% she treats one percent. Well, is not like is not fair. That's right, and she's treating you well on the air. Like we're not, she's not an idiot. She's not going to like be a bitch to somebody on the show. Hmm. Anyway, we'll have to see how this all plays out. I have a feeling it's gonna um, it's gonna be a long one. Yes. Speaking of um, rich, problematic white bitches, <laughs> Madonna. <clears throat> My beloved Madonna yes. seems to have Madge. lost her mind. On July 28th, okay, you guys, you have to know about this. There's this crazy doctor named Stella Emanuel who claims that, like, coronavirus is fake and masks don't work. It's the and, UFO. Yeah, she yeah. believes in UFOs and she thinks of, there's demons inside people that cause illness. Trump retweeted her. Trump Jr. retweeted her. So the alien demon lady. Yes. Oh, my God. I saw memes about that. Well, Madonna shared the video, too, and called the woman her hero. This was on Instagram. This so-called doctor made the unsubstantiated claim that hydroxychloroquine is a cure for COVID, which we know it's not. Madonna captioned the video with a note claiming, without evidence, that a vaccine for the disease has been found and proven and has been available for months. This is Madonna talking. They would rather let fear control the people and let the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and sick get sicker. She also called Emmanuel her hero and wrote that some people don't want to hear the truth. This video was so false that Instagram blurred it and added a caption describing it as false information. Madonna later deleted the post, but didn't apologize, didn't really address it. She released some other thing about her Kabbalah leader talking about forgiveness, but she didn't ask for forgiveness from anyone. And she was widely slammed for this, including by Annie Lennox, <laughs> no. whom I also love. What did Annie, Annie say? Annie Lennox wrote, this is utter madness. I can't believe that you're endorsing this dangerous quackery. Hopefully your site has been hacked and you're just about to explain it. A lot of people thought she'd been hacked. Guess what? She wasn't. She's well, just lost she her just fucking mind. Hey. Ding, ding. Um, this is very disappointing. Shade. But, you know, the, again, this is like, this is what 2020 is. It's clarity. We're seeing people for who they really are, what they really believe, and, um, yeah, I, I don't... I just think people have lost their goddamn minds. Just wear a mask. Wear a mask. By the way, I, um, I don't know if he listens to this show, but I unfriended someone last night after <laughs> I saw all these, like, anti-mask memes on his page. And I knew he used to be a Republican, but he's since been become, like, an anti-Trump guy, so mm-hmm. I thought he had, like, seen the light. But he's still, like... Like, one of his memes was about how... If you put a mask on a child, not only does it not protect her from coronavirus, but she's more likely to be sex trafficked because the mask hides her face. I mean, it's, it's, it's completely insane. It's insane. It's insane. I unfriended her. Well, here's some positive news. You guys know who Boris Johnson is? Yeah. The British Trump. Yeah. He's the current British prime minister. Uh, He has been compared to Donald Trump because, like Trump, he's fat and has terrible hair. (laughs) And he's a right-wing asshole. Uh, He was the leader of the Brexit movement, which Mm. ultimately was successful. Um, However, he has now uh, backed a ban on gay conversion therapy throughout the United Kingdom. Wow. 
So even the British Trump is better than Trump. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, there's been a, a study by the British government which proved that gay conversion is, you know, harmful and doesn't make anyone straight. And um, he said on the gay conversion therapy thing, I think that's absolutely abhorrent and has no place in a civilized society and no place in this country. So that's great news for yeah. the LGBTQ community in the UK. And it's not the only place where it's happening. Mexico City, yeah. which is very near to Ryan's and my heart, yes. has banned conversion therapy. God, I want to go back to that hotel. I want to go back to Mexico City so bad. I was just telling Eric about that. You yeah. know, Eric, Eric's dad is Mexican. Mm. This is not my boyfriend, everyone. He's yes. just a good friend. But, um, you know, he's fluent in Spanish and obviously has a connection to Mexican culture. And so I was telling him it's like the best vacation because it's a great city and it's so super cheap. Yeah. The food is delicious. And there's this great hotel. I don't remember what it's called. El Hotel Historico Central, I believe. Fabulous hotel. Anyway, the Mexico City Regional Congress approved a bill that criminalized gay conversion therapy on July 24th. The new law has been hailed as a major step forward for LGBTQ people in Mexico. It would, this is the best part, it would sentence offenders, those who practice conversion therapy, up to five years in prison. And there would be harsher punishments for those who subject minors to the practice. Okay, Can you imagine have, that the United States is so backwards that we're not leading this movement? I have one question. What if I'm converting someone from straight to gay? Is that also punishable? That like, is absolutely acceptable and, in fact, encouraged. I'm starting a conversion camp for straight men. Oh it's goodness. called, hey, give gay a try. <laughs> Sounds like a hit. <laughs> we'll sweep the nation. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, actually, JB, this next story uh, dovetails nicely with that because, and I feel like we've done this story before. I was before. literally just going to say, I think we've done this story like two or three different so times. So when we, here's what I think happened. I think when we first did it, it the news of, of, of the crime had just broken, mm-hmm. but now the defendant is actually um, defending himself in court. Oh, anyway, so it's not a different person. Same that. person. This oh, is God. about a New Jersey pastor <laughs> who claims that he used oral sex to suck demons out of men. He's 69. <laughs> 69-year-old Reverend Dr. William Weaver faces a lawsuit by former parishioners, three men, one woman. What? Oh. Who claim that the Presbyterian minister sexually assaulted them when they came to him for spiritual counseling. Uh, documents obtained by Newsweek reveal that during counseling sessions, he asked the three men to strip naked and lay down. He would then place an angel coin on their heads sacred stones on their hands and ankles, and then performed oral sex on them. Weaver allegedly told his victims that he needed to suck the demons out through their semen. But what about the woman? Well, I guess it's through... The squirting. Yeah. He... (laughs) I'm going to throw up. (laughs) He claimed the ritual had come from Native American lore. At least one victim reported Weaver kissing him on the mouth. That's even worse. I'd rather get blown by a 69-year-old priest, <laughs> pastor, than uh, kissed on the mouth. Okay. Um, he's, uh, one of them said, I refuse to stay, stay silent any longer. Uh, the lawsuit filed by the four former parishioners remains pending. Church officials have said they will continue the investigation. Obviously, Weaver has been fi- fired. Uh, okay, it's 1123. We're actually ahead now, oh, this is great. which is great because Ryan well, is I going... I was just going to say, yes? even though this story is whack... Sometimes I think that there are demons inside me from men who I have sucked orally. Oh, I see. You suck the demons out of them, and now the demons are in you. And then they live in me. I tell the men to plant their demon seed inside me. Oh, my God. Work. Can I tell you something? This would make a great, like, gay porno horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. there is such a genre. Yeah. Like, I remember after The Ring... They had a, a gay porn version, which was like, once you see the ring, you turn gay within seven days. And the ring was like a butthole. Yeah. <laughs> but think about this. Like, it's such a good idea. Like, basically, there's this demon sure. that keeps getting passed from guy to guy through oral sex. Yeah. And they're all connected somehow. Like, they're connected through this demon. And they're right. all sort of like. And it's like the ex sexist Coming soon to your television. The sexorcist. Not going back to the theaters anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Ryan, uh, as you know, is our RuPaul's Drag Race correspondent. And there seems to always be a new 
series of RuPaul's Drag Race playing on TV at any given time. Right now, it's Canada. What's it called? So it's Canada's Drag Race because they couldn't get the rights to Drag Race Canada because there is already like you know like an actual um, like car drag. Oh, so that's <laughs> like, why it's like Canada's car. Yeah, that's why it's Canada's Drag Race. So. Ooh. I, I'm going to just say before Ryan goes that I find this show garbage and not worth watching. But Ryan feels differently. So first, tell people how they can watch this. Sure. Tell so, Americans how they can watch this. So, and then Shantae, you stay. your general feelings. Yes. So you can watch it on the WoW Presents Plus app, which is actually really cheap. It's $4 a month. And they have all sorts of content on there. Um, but I will say that... I, I, I'm not obsessed with Canada's Drag Race. I, I like it. I'm enjoying it. And, and you haven't made it as far as I am. Um, but it is. it definitely takes a moment. The problem for me is that when we heard that Canada's Drag Race was going to be a thing and that Brooklyn Heights was going to be uh, one of the judges, I think everyone assumed that she was going to be sort of taking the role of RuPaul as, like, drag host. I did. But that is not the case. So the format is there are the three judges who also kind of kind of are the hosts. Like, for example, Brooklyn hosts the Snatch Game. Um, you know, Jeffrey Boyer Chapman directs one of the scenes like as RuPaul or um, Carson or um, um, Michelle would do. But they have a guest host every week as opposed to just like a guest judge. And, you know, in the one episode where um, Deborah Cox is the um is the host Cox. that worked and that makes sense because she's a gay icon and you know every drag queen in the world has performed a Deborah Cox song at one point or another but they have all these other like Alicia Cuthbert who was the first um, uh, guest host and like she's Canadian and I feel like that's where it where it ends as far as like why she's on the show like she's not she's like a cis woman like she doesn't do drag it just and I think why this is happening is like RuPaul does not want anyone to come close to her level. She doesn't want anyone to be considered the like the the um, Canadian version of her. Right. So it's just it's just weird. I'm sorry. So what's gonna happen when she dies? Like who's gonna replace her? Like <laughs> she's never gonna die. She's gonna live forever. Um, They're gonna clone her. But my biggest and you know I like Brooklyn Heights. She's um, a continental Miss Continental pageant winner. Um, she uh, she was on the show. She almost won the show. So she's definitely qualified to be there. And it's nice to see like an actual drag queen critiquing drag queens. Mm -hmm. But she's not a great host. You know what I, I mean? I think she's as good as anyone other than RuPaul could be. She's actually my favorite thing about the show. Mm -hmm. I feel like she gets it. She gets the sensibility. She's quick. She's funny. I just... The other two add nothing. The, like you're saying, the celebrity guest hosts add nothing. And the queens, so far, I've seen two episodes. I am not impressed. Well, it's also I think they early. are so Bush League. It's, it's early. Like, it's, it's one of those... I mean, think about Drag Race season one. I mean, obviously, drag in general has That's changed. what it reminds me of. It reminds me of season one of the, of the American version. But I think in some ways, it feels fresh because it's like the American uh, show has become so overproduced. The girls are it's so... Slick. But, like, it's not even that slick. It's so overproduced that you can kind of just predict everything that's going to happen. And, and Canada's Drag Race, some of these... Um, some of this stuff I'm actually surprised about. But I think the last thing I want to say um, is that the fan base is really um, repulsed by Jeffrey Boyer Chapman. They think that he is, like, the worst judge, like, worse than Santino. Um... And I kind of agree with them. Um, he doesn't have any drag. He, he's he's Ru he's clearly RuPaul's protege. He might even be a lover. I have suspicions. What? That's like a joke. No. Well, it's a joke on the show. But I I I, I imagine that RuPaul has invited Jeffrey Boyer Chapman over to his home why, at one point or but another. But Jeffrey Boyer Chapman can do better. Come on. Well, he's not going to be sleeping with some six-year-old man. Actor. It's no showbiz. offense to six-year-old men. Um, and the last thing, mm. Drag Race Holland what? has just been announced a few weeks ago. So, and one, one, one more thing. Oh, my God. I just found out on Fire Island that season 13 is filming right now. Yeah, this is crazy. Like, the entire... Oh, that's an alarm telling me to check the podcast award nominations. Hold on. 
Um, this is crazy. All of television and film is shut down right now, except for RuPaul's Drag Race, which somehow is filming a new season in the midst of uh, a pandemic. It's on one on one hand, I'm like, yay, more Drag Race. But on the other hand, I'm like, how how are they doing this? Like, this is this is crazy. Um, but the Drag Race factory uh, is, is up and running and. Amazing. We'll never shut down. And Ryan will never stop talking about it. Nope. Thank you, Ryan. Okay, um, I'm going to verbally produce what I want to have happen right now. Um, JB, when, uh, when I say go, I'm going to have you hit the sexy music and then go and get Wilson on the phone while we're doing the read. Yep. Meanwhile, I am constantly refreshing my screen to see if the podcast award nominations are actually out, which they are not as of this moment. But in the meantime, JB, I'm feeling sexy right now. Mm. You guys know that feeling when your dick tells you, I'm ready for it. Oh, yeah. Now. Well, listen up, because you can feel that way whenever you want to with BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue, Chew.com. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And right now, we've got a special deal. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code, ASS. That's capital ASS. All you do is pay $5 for shipping, but the shipment itself is free. Hey, here's what's important about Blue Chew. You can take it anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And because they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And I will tell you, I have tried this and it's true. Like I chewed it and within minutes, my dick was hard. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. It's prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA, so you're helping the economy. Uh, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. You don't have to like sit there waiting at Dwayne Reed being like, I'm ready for my boner pills. Sank boner pill. You don't need to do that. Don't forget, we've got a special deal. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use promo code ASS. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. We thank them for sponsoring this podcast. And remember, when you buy from them, you're not only helping your dick, you're helping the ass. Thank you, Blue Chew. Thank you, Blue Chew. All right, let me just check the nominations one more time before we go to our interview. I want to do it in my sexy voice. I'll be working on it. Let's hear it. Bluechew.com. Oh. That's your sexy voice? I'm wet. This is, this is my sexy white girl voice. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you sound a little bit like a woman, which not that that's not sexy. The chew, it's so blue. Yeah. I mean, see, if my sexy voice is like, yeah, you like that blue chew? <laughs> fucking chew that blue chew. Yeah. Get your fucking dick hard with that blue chew. Uh, All right. Well, now we have to make a segue, and I'm sure our guest is panicking listening to this nonsense. Uh, our guest today is coming onto the ass for a second time, and I could not be more thrilled. He's currently starring in a dozen television shows. He's literally on every show, including 13 Reasons Why and Star Trek Discovery, which is gearing up for its third season, season, and in which he plays the openly gay Dr. Hugh Culber. Take a listen. I could make my home on Enterprise. You're doing fine. And I realized that uh, you're my home. So I came back. Everything. Always came back around to you. Please welcome all the way from sunny Los Angeles, world famous actor and activist, and my future husband, Wilson Cruz. <laughs> Hello. Wilson. Hey, Wilson. How do you like following Hi. our commercial for bluechew.com? Oh, I, I followed every single word. I'm, I wrote everything down. I'm ready to make my order. Yes. <laughs> so excited. Thank you so much for waking up early and talking to us. I know you are busier than ever. Uh, I, I see you doing interviews all over the TV dial, all over the podcast world, because you've got so many different projects going on. I imagine, though, your life must have slowed down a little bit during the pandemic. Yes. 
Yes, I had. I, first of all, thank you. I, it's, it's nice to, to hear your voice. Thanks for having me on. Um, I got back to LA um, after finishing uh, season, filming season three of Star Trek in Toronto. I got back here in March, and literally just in time to close the door behind me. And so things did slow down for a minute, but then it became really clear that a lot of these LGBT nonprofits were suffering because of the the pandemic and and funds that were originally going to be going to those organizations were now being diverted to other causes, understandably. But, you know, all hands on deck for the for organizations like Glisten and Glad that really depend on people's support. And then Pride came along and everything went virtual. So then everybody was calling to make videos for Pride and sending messages because we wanted to make sure that people understood that even though they were home, that they were not alone. And so... My, my this, this apartment that I'm subletting for the next couple of months just kind of became a, a recording studio. But in the last couple of weeks, I have been able to take a break, yes. And I also was promoting my the documentary that I produced because it was, it was available to people. So I had to get the word out about that and so. Is that it was uh, a very it was a very busy few months there for a minute, but things have definitely slowed down now. Was that the visible documentary? Yes. Okay. Uh, which you can still find on Apple TV Plus. I want to talk to you about that in a bit because I saw it and I thought it was fabulous. Um, but I want to talk about Star Trek first, if you don't mind. Yeah, do it. Go for it. So you've been known to the public since 1994, since my so-called life. But being part of Star Trek, you it, this must have introduced you to a legion of new fans. Do you feel the difference? Do you feel like suddenly you're you're more known than ever before? Um, it's it's definitely a, a, a bigger and different audience than I was reaching before, right? Uh, just in terms of the projects that I had been working on before and who those projects were being um, uh, focused on. Uh, so I um, so yes, it's definitely a younger, <laughs> yeah, uh, straighter mm-hmm. and uh, more male um, audience. For now, anyway, and in depth, and at the moment, probably, uh, you know, it's probably becoming more diverse because of uh, you know this franchise and and all of the uh, new elements and audiences that it that it invites in. So, um, yeah, it's definitely been a wild ride in terms of fans because you know the thing about Star Trek fans is they are very opinionated. Uh, they love their Trek, and you can't mess with it, right? So. They're gonna they're they're gonna make their opinions known, uh, you know, um, strongly in one in one direction or the other. Yeah, I feel like I feel that I feel like Star Trek fans are the straight version of RuPaul's Drag Race fans. Oh, 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 ab- absolutely! That's a great parallel. <laughs> yeah, because. <laughs> You know, when they love you, they really love you. And when they hate you, like, look, look out, because you're going to get hit in the face. Yeah, you, had, uh, you know, and our show is, is, has had some pretty controversial moments. So navigating those waters and not spoiling, you know, what was coming and how we were going to navigate the controversy was really difficult, you know. Had before it, it all it all pays off in the end. Before the pandemic, before the shutdown, had you attended a Star Trek convention yet? Oh yes. I mean, I honestly, I went to I went to the, the, my first Star Trek convention before the show even started streaming because oh. we were filming uh, season one and we went to the Star Trek Las Vegas where we were introduced and all of that. So uh, yeah, I, I I have been a. Uh, thrown into the inferno of the, the convention world pretty early on. Because I, here's, I had this weird thought, and it's probably going to sound like a, an offensive thing to say, but if your career were to like suddenly end tomorrow, you could still make a living for the rest of your life now just doing Star Trek conventions, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about that. I think there was a time <laughs> back in the day when the early, you know, when conventions first started, and especially with Star Trek, that it was incredibly lucrative like there were just, there was just a lot of money being thrown at people i mean i'm not going to sit here and say there is there isn't money to be made uh but it's definitely not what it used to be um so i'm not going to be buying my new house or anything uh on convention money at the at the moment no i will buy you your new house oh really if you promise to live there with me <laughs> <laughs> that's the condition that you must abide by 
Wilson, you, you've always been an activist for LGBTQ people and people of color. And it seems like now we're living in an activist age for the first mm. time since maybe the 60s. What do you make? Welcome. Welcome to the activist age. What, <laughs> what do you make of what's happened in America since the death of George Floyd? And where do we go from here? I'm sorry, did you did you dial the wrong number? Did you think this was Barack you were calling? No. Um, Come on, you're a major <laughs> activist. Uh, you know, what do I think? I think that, honestly, my first uh, and initial reaction to all of it was how terrible, but about time, right? I think there was something that happened, I think because of the pandemic, uh, uh, so much was uh, about the inequalities in our society and our culture um, were really brought to light. Were really uh, a spotlight was shed on it uh, on on every level of our of our existence, whether advanced financially, you know, our our relationships with people, um, the way that we were affected or not affected by the pandemic in those ways. Um, the people that were, were, were losing because of this pandemic. So, so much of it became so obvious about the inequalities and, and to be honest with you, the caste system that exists in this country that's based on race. Yes. And so my, my reaction, at, you know, when it, when, when it kind of all exploded was, okay, we're going to do this now during a pandemic, got it. And yes, thank God, let's, let's start really talking about this in, in a very honest and real way. Because the only way we were going to have make any any real progress in terms of um, racial inequality and um, uh, 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 economic inequalities, um, you know, the health disparities, was if we had these painful conversations and willing to have them in very honest ways, even even though they were uncomfortable. Um, Ryan, and, sorry, Ryan sorry. and I were talking earlier this hour about how just how fucked up 2020 is, um, but how in many ways it's also the year of clarity because it's like the mm. year that everything came to a head, that everything came to a boiling point and we couldn't just look the other way anymore. Right. No, I think the pandemic absolutely forced us to look at everything. You know, all of the, the myriad ways that we have accepted inequality and, and discrimination um, and this, this, system um, that we've allowed it to, to grow and fester in this way for, for decades. Um, and so I think, I think uh, because of this, this moment where it was, it, we couldn't turn away from the obvious, we had to have this conversation. This had to happen. Um, so, you know, I, I think that what I'm heartened by, honestly, what I try to focus on is the fact that... Um, I've never seen more white people a part of this conversation. Right. Right? More, more willing to have the conversation than they ever have before. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm not expecting it to, uh, to snap back for a moment, because that's just the way we, it works here in this country. Um, but I, I feel and I believe that the, the way that allies have shown up for this conversation and for this movement... Um, there's no turning back, right? Things have been said and things have been seen that you cannot unhear and unsee. And so now we have to face them and it's up to us to figure out how to, to, to resolve them. Hey, Wilson, Ryan here. Uh, to your point about um, seeing a lot of white people at these protests, one of the things that I myself learned as a white person early on um, is that this is not a... Um, a black problem. This is not an issue for black people. This is a white issue. This is an issue that we need to deal with. We need to get, we need to find the resources. We need to, and, and not ask questions to people of color. We, we need to figure it out and we need to figure out how to um, be better. Um, how to fix it. And I, I think that that, that kind of um, point of view has really helped me put things into perspective that it really is about what can I do in my everyday life to, um, you know, eliminate uh, racism and, and, and call it out 
when when it's yeah. when it's when it's there. Um, as we mentioned uh, earlier, you you were part of this uh, documentary um, on Apple TV Plus, visible out on television, and you talk about um, how being on My So Called Life changed the relationship with your dad. And I think for a lot of us um, queer people, uh, it's sometimes it's um, it's hard to have these relationships with our parents. And so I was wondering if you could just expand upon that and what that what that was like for you. Um, well, first I want to say that I wasn't just a part of it. Um, I'm proud to say that I you produced, produced it. it. That I executive yes. produced it. I took seven years of my life to get it to get it out. Um, and so, uh, you know, for me, the, the 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 opportunity to have this conversation about my family and what happened to me personally um, was important because I know that there are young people uh, in Latino um, families and African-American families um, who are still having this issue. Um, and, you know, as, as hard as it is for me to, have, to talk about this, and I've talked about it for, well, decades now, um, I think it is important for people to know that they're not alone if they're having a similar experience. So I came out to my father on Christmas Eve, um, right before we started, about three months before we started filming um, the, the, the series, My So-Called Life. Um, and I came out to them because um, I knew I was going to come out publicly and I wanted to have a conversation about this character and about LGBT youth. Uh, and I knew I was going to have to be, I was going to have to come out in order to do that. So I had to come out to my parents first, obviously. Um, my dad kicked me out. It did not go well. And um, I found a way to survive for three months with friends and um, make my way through. And um, he and I didn't speak for a year. And I went on and filmed the, the series. And um, there were some very real parallels between Ricky's character and his storyline in my life. And um, in, in the show, Ricky is also kicked out of his home. And there was a whole storyline that involved that and how he survives. And my father actually unbeknownst to me was watching the whole time and in the after the episode uh, in which my character is picked out the credits are rolling um, back when we were watching TV actually with like on TV um, right and uh, my phone rings and it's my father and um, and he says I think we should finally talk and so because of that um, series I came out to my dad because of that episode my dad, reached out to me, um, and we were able to have a conversation that was difficult and honest and, um, and, and the basis of the relationship we have today, which is pretty amazing. It's such a powerful story, and it makes me think, like, not only did that happen for you, it probably happened for thousands of kids out there in your exact same situation. It's happening to young people right now. It's happening, you know, the, the, vers the today's version is, you know, this young LGBTQ person who is stuck at home in a home that is um, unsupportive and scary, and there is no out for them. Like, you know, at least I got to go to school and, 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 and um, receive a different kind of torture there. <laughs> right. Know, just to, just to, uh, to keep it interesting. But, I mean, um, you know, I think today's version is... is really bleak you know they're you know i'm on, on on the national board of Griffin, and we hear from young people all the time that you know school was a place that allowed them to escape their homes which could be which in many many times are, are problematic so um but you're as much progress as, as much progress as we've made through the decades in in our community our young people still suffer very similar um, experiences as we have. Yes, but back to the power of TV, your episode and your performance on that show and that show itself, the, the way it was written, the way it was presented, saved lives. And representation on television and in movies continues to save lives. And I think that was sort of the, the point that, that was driven home for me watching your, uh, watching your documentary. I have to ask you. I, I surely hope so. Yeah. I have to ask Go you ahead. because Ellen is in the documentary. What do you make of of the Ellen situation? 
I mean, uh, you know, I wasn't there. I've never been on the show, so I can't speak to my really? experience. No, no, no. no I've never been invited. That's insane. Is it? Um, <laughs> and, um, uh, so, you know, I don't know. Um, I, you know, she her story and the show's story is a major part of our history. Um, and she played a huge, she has played a huge part in it. And, you know, the documentary would not be complete without her in it. Um, you know, I hope they, people stand up and take responsibility for their, their actions there and that, um, they make amends with the people that they've, um, that they've hurt. Yeah. We started the show by talking about her and about this ongoing investigation of her show. And, um, you know, on the one hand, nobody's accusing Ellen of anything specifically other than like being mean or being cold. The allegations of a toxic workplace culture and sexual harassment and racism, they all seem to be um, pointed toward her executive producers. But on the other hand, it's her show. She's the captain of yeah. the ship. And so it's sort of like, at what point does it become her responsibility? Well, your name is on the show, right? You... Um, you 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 get all of the praise and all of the accolades and the success, and along with that comes with the responsibility, and um, and it's her responsibility to make it right. If you ask me, absolutely. All right, Wilson. In the time remaining, and we didn't do this the first time you were on the show because we hadn't yet established this segment, but it's time to play everyone's favorite quiz show. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. We're going to ask you a series of ridiculous questions, and you're going to answer them with the first thing that comes to your head. Are you ready? Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good a kisser is Anthony Rapp? Eight. Ooh, that's fairly high. Eight is great. Uh, what has been your most favorite acting role so far? Uh, um, the one I'm in at the moment, currently. On which show? You're on several shows. I know. Um, uh, 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 you know what? Let's just be honest. None of them, none of them would, would have been possible without the first one. So let's go with Ricky Vasquez. I think that's a good answer. I mean, you may be a hot, muscular, middle-aged man, but to me, you'll always be a gay teenager <laughs> named Ricky. Thanks. What turns you on most about a man? His smell and his smile. Mm, let's talk about smell for a moment. Ryan's ears just mm -hmm. perked up. What what mm. makes a good man smell? Um, so not too much, you like not too much clone or flowery stuff. I think there's a good mix of musk and natural scent. Mm. How about that? I, I agree. agree. You know, I need I need you to use soap regularly. I'm just saying that. And deodorant is not your enemy. But. Yes, you're not a raunch queen, but you do like, you know, a little bit of natural smell mixed, yeah. with, mixed with cleanliness. Yeah. Well, while we're on this topic, what cologne do you we use? We were talking about physical attributes, right? We weren't talking about it. Okay, go on. Well, we can talk, <laughs> talk about any, anything about a man that turns you on. I mean, you went to smell so and smile. Things, but let's move on. Let's move on. But wait, I was going to ask you, what is your favorite scent other than man? Like, what, what cologne do you like to use? Oh, what, do I, what do I wear? Yes. I, I only wear um, Kiehl's Musk. Oh, I've never smelled that. Kiehl's, oh, it's very good. Kiehl's Musk. You heard it here first. And if they'd like to be a sponsor of the Adam Sank Show, we'd be happy to have them. Or Wilson Cruz. Or of Wilson, exactly. <laughs> Kills, Kills Musk is like, Adam Sank show, what the fuck is that? We want Wilson. Uh, okay, here's a, here's a question I hope you answer, and I hope you answer honestly. Who is your celebrity crush? Oh. Doesn't matter if he's gay or straight. No, I've, I have so many. I wouldn't, you know. Um, let's see. Idris Elba. Good answer. We've gotten Idris Elba a lot on this show, by the way. It just, I mean, you know, it's all, usually a tie. It's like Idris Elba, Joe Magnan, Magnan. How do you say his name? Joe Manganiello. Yeah, he's, he might be mine. Yeah. That is a man. Yeah. When he lies on top of you, you know you're going to feel it. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, have you ever met Idris Elba or Joe Manganiello? I have met Joe. Oh, tell us about that. I met him on a red carpet um, mm. for 
it was like a like a VH1 something or other, and we were in the audience. Uh, and we were both on the red carpet and he was ahead of me in this beautiful gray suit. And I, you know, I think I, I was back when I was still drinking and I think I had had a couple by then. And I said, I love your suit and the fit. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. And that was about it. That's hot. And then he grabbed you. And he grabbed your ass. Um, by the way, guys, I have breaking news. The Derek and Romaine show has been nominated for a podcast award, but not the Adam Sank show. Thanks anyway, guys. Appreciate all the nominations. Okay. Hey, if it makes you feel any better, I didn't get an Emmy nomination for Visible. And you absolutely. Sh- you, have, you should have been nominated for Visible and Star Trek. Um, all right, Wilson, describe yourself in bed using one of these three descriptions, uh, sorry, four descriptions. Whips and okay. chains, leather and lace, strawberries and whipped cream, or vanilla latte. I mean, I, Adam, I have to be honest with you. It's been so long. <laughs> I can't. Rem- I cannot remember. Come on. Um, How can someone like you not be having sex? We're having a pandemic. I know, but don't you have like one fuck buddy that you, you know you can sort of make a pact with? Didn't I? Didn't I tell you that I walked into this apartment <laughs> as the pandemic was starting? <laughs> like nobody has. Nobody has crossed that threshold. Are you kidding me? I'm crossing um, it. What are my? Cho- what are my choices? Whips and chains, leather and lace, strawberries and whipped cream, or vanilla latte? Ah, uh, strawberries and whipped cream. Interesting. So you like to incorporate food. I mean, it's nice to be, you know, not hungry during that process. <laughs> True. You, know, you need something to sustain the energy. Keep Some your stamina. Stamps. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wilson, do you have a nickname for your penis? And if so, what is it? I don't. I really don't. I have a nickname for it. <laughs> yeah. El Rey Juan Carlos. Like the King of Spain. <laughs> I imagine it to be very kingly. Um, what's the creepiest thing... El, f- El Rey. Yes. What's the creepiest thing a fan has ever done to you, myself not included? The creepiest thing a fan has ever done to me. <sighs> I don't know. Like someone sent you something gross in the mail? I mean, people people send really inappropriate and kind of gross DMs, I will say that. Yeah. Yeah, guilty. That's inappropriate. But I just blocked them. Yeah, I mean, that's... You've never never sent one of those, Adam. I think I sent you a butt pic once, unsolicited and unwanted, but... um, Did you? Maybe. Wilson, will you ever come on this podcast again? Sure. Yay! And what's the first thing you'll do when coronavirus is declared extinct? Uh, go to Spain. <laughs> With El Rey Juan Carlos. Right. I was supposed to be there. I was supposed to be there at the end of July for two weeks. I, so I, I need to make up for that. Wilson Cruz, we love you so much. We can watch you on Star Trek Discovery on CBS All Access. Season 3 begins October 15th. People can follow you at WCruz73 on Insta and Twitter. Anything else you'd like to plug besides me? Uh, nope, you took my answer. Uh, I do love you. Thank you so much for waking up and doing this with us. Thank you, Wilson. I love you back. Thank Would, you for making me get up this early on a Saturday. Now I can get my workout in. I will always get you up. Ryan and JB, <laughs> please plug yourselves. You can follow me at Ryan Frosting on Twitter and Instagram. At Stocking Anarchy 12, only on Instagram. I want to thank Ryan and JB. I want to thank Wilson Cruz, my future husband. Next Saturday, tune in to hear another... What happened to the music? I did it too early. (laughs) (laughs) Tune in to hear another brand new ass with actor and comedian Jason Stewart. He's in a new TV show he's going to tell us about. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at adamsank. Email me. Email me t-shirt ideas, you guys. Adam at adamsank.com. Nominate this show for a podcast. Podcast Award in 2021. And have a great week, bitches. Bye.